Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. What's your uh, top qualities that you look for in a person? So all the women out there listening are able to follow suit? I, I like when they wear uh, blazers with insane shoulder pads Ooh, yeah. so that they look like a football player who has put on a, a button up. Hell yeah. Uh, my next quality, my next demand, let's put it that way, <laughs> is uh, it's good to have both ears. Mm, okay, that's an I important that one. If you are, miss are you an talking ear, you about hearing or just the ears? The literal ears. They can okay. be deaf, that's okay. They need to have them on the sides of their skull. And my third demand is that you have to... Well, we already have the ears and we already have the blazers. Those are the important things. Oh, you need to have a centimeter gap between each of your teeth. Okay, yeah. And your teeth need to be like grounded down small. Right, like the nail file. Mm -hmm. Like you file them down so it's like... I like um, to see that. That's good. Those are the good three things. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. An optional one is webbed fingers. It's just sort of a plus. If you don't have them, it's fine. I'm not unrealistic, you know? But if you see a woman with webbed fingers, you're like, yes. Definitely a plus. Who, Who am I kidding? I'm a sucker for good swimmers. (laughs) <laughs> i think that's as good an intro as any uh hey everybody it's me kaylee your favorite hey did you know this person i'm jeremy your patron saint of misinformation Ooh. but misinformed is still informed right just on the wrong information right i'm not what the mainstream media would consider informed how about that yeah you're you're fake news informed yeah no i avoid fake news <laughs> i only read breitbart <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And I am here to, um, what are we here for? We're here to talk. We're here to talk. We're here to talk. We're also here to hopefully, at the end of this, teach you something. Yeah. So, unicorns. What's What do you think about those? False. Narwhals. True. Yes. You didn't know that? No. You didn't know that narwhals were real? No. I oh thought they God. were fake. I thought they were like unicorns. Everybody, like, lumped them in with unicorns, and also their horns are so fucking big. Their own little subspecies. Yeah. Of... Do you know their their horn is a tooth? Disgusting. This comes is technically out of... a tooth. That is erupting from their skull? Yes. It's, like, triple their size is this giant-ass <laughs> tooth that they impale things with. What do they do once they impale it? I have no idea. It just sits there, I guess. Yeah, rats, and then it falls off eventually. Can you imagine that? They, they finally go in for the kill, and they're like, I don't know why I didn't think this out. How am I going to get this yeah. off? I don't have arms. And it's like some kid is like, I love narwhals because they're cute and funny. And yeah. it's like the sea unicorn. And then they see a real-life narwhal, and it just has a bunch of carcasses and ba- stuck Barnacles. To barnacles all over its bodies. <laughs> right. Eyes the size of your skull. <laughs> and one giant bloody uh, tooth. They're horrifying looking. Honestly, they're scared. Like the ocean is just fucked. Oh, ocean? No, thank you. I've I've always I think it's called like thalassophobia or something. I think uh-huh. I'm totally mispronouncing that. It's something with a thass. <laughs> There's a thass in it, Ooh. but it's the fear of the ocean deep. You know yeah, I mean? me too. Leviathans, like the idea of leviathans, typically underwater, is so terrifying to me. Okay, how about this? Are you scared of a sponge that lives under the sea? Um, By the name of SpongeBob SquarePants. Well, if if I found a sponge that had teeth and eyelashes, yeah, I guess I'd be afraid of that. SpongeBob is just like <laughs> I don't. Know, I know you guys probably know why I brought this up. Yeah, go ahead, just say it. Just say it, you vulture. Ugh. 
So Steven Hillenberg, the creator of SpongeBob, has passed away. And I was really heartbroken about it because SpongeBob was like my favorite show growing up. Yeah. And it's really shaped my sense of humor. It's like, wow, SpongeBob, you taught me so many things. Yeah, SpongeBob was a great show. It's still super watchable. But you know what I watched recently that was on, it was on On Demand? What's that? Uh, My Life as a Teenage Robot. I used to show? love yeah. that show. So I loved that show. Ah. Like I watched it again and it was like still good. It's one like, of those Whoa. shows that you, like at least for me, I felt like I dreamt. I made mm-hmm. up in my head. Oh, and yeah, then yeah, I yeah. actually find it and I'm like, holy mm-hmm. shit, they never that re- was there, real. There was never like reruns of it that no. I can remember. It was weird. It was like it was on when I was a kid and then stopped playing. It. Mm-hmm. But it had that weird like Art Deco, early 50s right. drawing animation style. What, what else, other ones? What other ones were there? Yeah, I'm really curious. Let's now. walk through memory lane. I found a good slideshow. Codename Kids Next Door. Oh, Did you yeah. ever watch that? Yep, 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 yep. I was in love with, I think it's number four. It was the one with the green sweater and the black hair. Number four. Oh, you're talking about, uh, okay. You're talking about the kids next door. I, I don't know why. I looked at Ben 10 on this list I just pulled up. <laughs> and in my mind, you were talking about like, the fourth alien he can turn into. And I was like, what? Is that like the cyclone one or something? No, they were all named with numbers. Yeah, number four was, who's that? I think number four was the um, green sweater girl. Asian girl, yeah. Maybe, no, that was number three, I think. That was definitely number three. Number yeah. five was black. Number two was fat. Number one was bald. They all have yeah. distinct <laughs> characteristics. You're totally right. Um, uh, number five, I think, was Australian. Number four was Australian. Number four <laughs> is um, the black girl, right? No, she's she's number five. I remember this because in my elementary school, we used to have these cartons of milk. And number five was on there. And she was holding out her hand as if to hold out like five fingers. But I think she had four because of uh... the cartoon. And on the under, it says, number five makes milk number one. Nah, it was God. like to inspire us to drink more milk. As a kid, because I watched so many spy stuff, like Totally Spies and Kim Possible, I was convinced when I grew up I was going to become a spy. I made my career choice when I was like seven years old and I was going to be a spy. Mm -hmm. And I actually went through most of my middle school career wanting to be an FBI agent. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but like... What a bitch. I know, like, (laughs) you know, and like you have career day in middle school or whatever, and you go show up and you have to write down like... Who you want to be and why. Which one you would pick and Mm -hmm. why. I hated that so much because it ended up being like, do you want to go talk to the guy that owns a bank, the guy who owns a bar, or the guy who like owns like an ad agency? Yeah. And like, I never wanted to be any of them. Same, yeah. So I like wouldn't fill it out. I was like, I'm going to be an FBI agent. And the response I always got was, oh, but you're going to have kids one day. That's a lot of responsibility and that's a lot of work. Did they really say that to you? Yeah. They're like, do you want to leave your kids? Like, you're going to have a family. You don't want to be away for that long. Who was teaching you? That's terrible. Every person I talked to about this told me me that. It's always, if I mention it, like... I don't want to have kids. They're like, you'll change your mind. When you get older, you'll change your mind. You'll you'll want to have them. There are some people, like, they just shouldn't have kids. People just get so weirdly upset if you don't want to have kids. It's just, like, expected of you. We have so many people, like, we don't need to keep on repopulating at the rate we do. Like, we should be encouraging people to, if they want to, not have kids. Right. We've already reached, like, if we were all, if the entire world was... Consuming resources the way that just the U.S. is, mm-hmm. we 
we would all be dead. There's no way we could. It's not sustainable. We are, we've already passed the limit of the amount of people, like the cap for the Earth's resources. We've already reached that point. And the only reason we haven't felt the consequences is because so many people are impoverished, which is so weird to think about. Yeah. I've said it once. I'll say it again. Thank God for poverty. Thank God right? for poverty. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was super interesting. And I always talk about it because I, I just think it's super interesting. But like in India, certain parts of India, each woman has on average six children. We're at a point in like society now where women don't need to like get married and have kids right away. Education is big and a lot more women are wanting to go to college and have careers and establish their jobs first before like starting a family or having kids or just not having kids or getting married at all Mm -hmm. definitely definitely i think that each generation we start to be more and more Mm self-concerned more consumed with your own life not about continuing your family name i have really old grandparents i had really old grandparents and they were the generation where it's like man goes to work comes back woman has a job until she gets married then they get married pump out kids and they're miserable for 60 years until they're dead that's like the goal and then so their kids my parents that generation like you know sort of coming of age in the 70s you know you've seen woodstock happen you've seen kent state happen you've Mm -hmm. seen you know the counterculture becomes almost the main culture and people are expanding the way they think and the way they approach life and so they're, they're going to college now which is something that their parents never did and never had to. Mm -hmm. And then you go another generation. College is becoming a necessity. Everyone's expected to go to college. Before Mm -hmm. you were expected to get married outside of high school. Now you're expected to go to college outside of high school. Mm -hmm. This goes on and on and on. Now today we're thinking like you hear about a couple of 25-year-olds getting married. You go, that's pretty young. Right. Which like back in the day, it's like if you were 25, you should already have like. A, a, right. Like if you weren't married by like 21, it's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Right. Your clock exactly. is like ticking. Some valuable. Yeah. Helen, your eggs are not valuable. Don't worry. Don't worry. Relax. Uh, yeah. Work on yourself. Like another, I guess, ethical situation is, that we're coming into now is gene editing. A Harvard scientist had successfully edited it. Uh, the genes on an embryo Mm -hmm. and it was born and it was a healthy baby girl and a lot of people were like well hold on that's not that's not ethical because you know what's what's impossible saying edited edited yeah edited 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 they edited it like if if you say edited it it's impossible (laughs) they edited it they edited it it. i don't remember what exactly what genes they they ended up changing but now a lot of people think there's going to be designer babies right. where they probably de- will be. Yeah, where they edit the genes so that, you know, they look nice or they're athletic or all Which these other things. Which is going to be terrible for like job competition. Right. You know, or athletics. I know a lot of like doctors were really upset about it because like, where does it end? But you also have to think if you're able to stop people from having an incurable disease, I think that is worth researching and trying to help. It's like, sorry, um, I don't want to help you because I'm scared people are going to make their hair brown. Their babies, you know, they want them to have <laughs> right. blue eyes. Right, yeah. You know, they but might be really strong It's babies. literally eugenics. 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 Like the, I don't know if it's called study or, or, or movement of like trying to create a pure race. Oh, uh, okay. You know, a yeah. perfect race, a yeah, perfect yeah. human. Okay. And it, that's typically considered unethical like hitler was doing that with eugenics right okay blue eyes blonde hair that's the way we like it but i feel like you know now that it's coming to light form a committee kind of i don't know make the boundaries Mm -hmm. it should be strictly medical yeah 
Otherwise, what's going to happen is we're going to land ourselves in some sort of futuristic sci-fi movie scenario where we have to create like a, a, a legion of future cyborg cops that mm-hmm. ride around on motorcycles and they kill genetically modified humans. Well, there's also the thing is like the standard of beauty always changes. So you might make your baby super hot, but then in 10 years, like they're super ugly because the standard of beauty changed. 10 years ago, it was super thin and pale and, you know, razor thin eyebrows. Nowadays, it's like, I want to give my baby a giant ass. Yeah. I want to have giant tits, a giant ass. I want to, I want a big titty, thick ass son. Hey, but like, what happens if you make your, you know, you make your son look like that? And then he's hideous when he gets older. He'll always be beautiful to me. He's my son. What are you going to tell your son? You were beautiful when you were a baby, but I'm sorry. Now you're just hideous. That's what every parent says to their kid, though, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think if it's time for science. It might be time for science. Kind of a science-y topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Science is cool, and today we are cool. Boom. Little science boom. So... On the topic of sickness, um, my science is all about vitamin C. Ooh. I don't know about you, Jeremy, but whenever I start feeling sick, everybody always yells at me, take vitamin C, just drink some emergency, and you'll feel better. You got you to gotta kick the cold in its butt when it starts, and then you'll feel better. Hey, question. Yeah. What does the C stand for? Uh, vitamin C. <laughs> Uh, just a little background. Vitamin C is an essential vitamin, meaning that our body doesn't produce it itself so that we must attain it from foods or from vitamins, like supplements, if you need it. You know, you do what you want to do. I guess why this came up, uh, people thought that vitamin C would help uh, for colds, is that vitamin C stimulates white blood cells and it can produce antibodies and act as an antioxidant. So they assume that if your body was really stressed out and you take vitamin C, you got the antioxidant going on and you got more white blood cells, that'll help for your body to kind of recover faster. Right. But they actually found it really only made a big difference among active people. So people like marathon runners and skiers, army troops, like really, really heavily mm-hmm. active people. Ooh, that's a sick burn from the CDC. Right. If they take at least 200 milligrams of vitamin C supplements, it reduces the risk of a cold in half. But for the general population, taking a daily vitamin C didn't seem to help with the risk. But they did find that taking uh, vitamin C did reduce symptoms by 8% in adults and 14% in children. So it's about one less day of sickness. That's totally worth it, though. But in order to get that result, you need to consume vitamin C every day and not just at the start of your sickness. Like every day of your life? Yeah, every day of your life. You would need to take a vitamin C supplement in order to reap the benefits of one less day of sickness. So if you're starting to feel sick and you're like, I'm going to take a vitamin C or I'm going to drink an emergency packet. It's too late. Yeah, it's too late and you're done for. You're just going to have to suffer. Wow. Yeah, because if you do that, you're really you're really playing the long game. Like a lot of doctors don't recommend taking just supplements just for the sake of taking supplements, because like vitamin C is water soluble, which means if you take more than the amount that you need, you're just gonna pee it out. Right. There, there's gonna be no real benefit. So if you're already getting the vitamin C you need from your foods, then you're basically just pissing out your money. I'm gonna be pissing away my money regardless. So whether it's literally or. <laughs> With supplements or, or um, other ways. 
flashlight. <laughs> Buying a $70 flashlight, you know. Either way, it's turned into bodily fluids, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Because uh, every time I get sick or I'm starting to feel sick, everybody always, that's always the number one thing they say. Now you can all tell those people the world, hey, fuck off. I did my research. Uh, it kind of blows my mind that um, vitamin C, the, the C actually stands for carcinogen. Doesn't. I'm joking. It stands for cardboard. Ah, Yep. So you got him. Nope, stands for chameleon. Ooh. Nope, actually it stands for cat. Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. It stands for Christine, wow. which is your middle name. You know, people get really offended if you don't like cats. I don't understand. They walk on the tables. <laughs> you're, if you own a cat, you're a cuck. They they push <laughs> things off the table yeah, just, just for the <laughs> enjoyment that it shatters yeah. on the floor, and you have to sweep it up for them. Yeah, that's what I do when I'm drunk. <laughs> why would you ha- Why would you buy me when I'm drunk? <laughs> There are some really cool cats out in the world. I, and some cute cats. I absolutely. Yeah, some cute cats, for sure. But they're just, I just, I'm not a cat person. But I feel like cat ownership is like an exclusive book club. And then dog ownership is like a nude beach. Hey, come on. Oh, you don't want to? That's fine. Whatever. You don't like my dog? All right. I guess that's a little weird. Yeah. But I'm not going to judge you. I can't judge. I'm too busy playing with my dog. Uh, so on the note of cat and dog mom slash Dads. On that very loose note, we're making a big, we're jumping. <laughs> we're a huge making gap a very, right now. a very big uh, yeah. segue into Tinderellas. Tinderellas. Tinderella. Would you mind if I spread Nutella on her butt and ate it? Where we make fun of people on Tinder. Yep, it's super. Um, uh, shallow. Very shallow and very um, um, kind of mean. Very mean. Yep, we don't release the names and stuff. And we... Name them ourselves. Yeah. So this is Brad. All right. Oh, boy. Mid-30s. And his bio says, you're probably basic and boring. You probably wear Ugg boots, pants that say sexy on them, North Face jacket, and have some Starbucks in your hand. P.S. You don't have to be a gym rat. Just be intelligent, interesting, and engaging. <laughs> Here's my issue with this is that... Um, <laughs> He described us to a T, and I and it it it, it cuts down me. to the it cuts to the bone, frankly. Right. I mean, look at us. We're both sitting here with pants that say "sexy" on the ass. We're both holding. We're right. both drinking Starbucks, Starbucks right now. We both are wearing UGG boots and our North yeah. Face jackets. I took my North Face off because it's getting kind of hot in here. But yeah, if you're gonna judge me for wearing pants that say "sexy" on the ass, like I do that for me, okay? All right. Not for you, Brad. You don't know if I'm intelligent or not because you haven't taken the time to get to know me. Exactly. That's his problem. Yeah. Lay lay one on me, Jeremy. Oh yeah, let me. <laughs> so this this is uh this is one that was actually sent in by a, a listener. Ooh. Um. So this one was sent in by a close friend of the show, Bobby. Uh. Bobby says, rearrange my cuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, this isn't Bobby. This is a oh a, a, a uh well he the screenshot doesn't have a photo, but I assume a very beautiful young woman. Let's call her. Semicolon. What's her age? Approximately. Let's, let's just say she's in her 20s. Okay. Semicolon says, rearrange my guts, but build a future with me at the same time. Uh... You have to be able to reach them in order to rearrange them. Oh my God. Several emojis. <laughs> Want someone who I can go places with, who's not afraid to try new things with me. Someone who's honest and who I can be honest with. Someone to match my fly with. What's that mean? Someone to... Oh, what does that mean? My fly. Uh, your, uh, coolness. My, oh, my fly with. God, I'm so not cool. Okay. 
You know what? That was actually, it turned into like a nice little bio. That's what we all need. Someone to rearrange our guts. And, yep. And to match my fly. And then That'll we can fun. buy a house. We can only buy a house on the exception that you rearrange my guts with your sexual organ. Because what she's saying is I want you to have sex with me so aggressively that I... That can't be fun, right? I die? That I, I die. Yeah. Just think of like the medical trauma of that and like what you have to live. You're me probably have a colostomy bag. Um, you're going to be living in uh, a world of pain. Fun fact. The vagina is actually only about four inches long, but when stimulated, it stretches to be much longer to accommodate for stuff. Gross. But naturally, it's to only about- To accommodate for my four and a half inch piece. <laughs> so it actually enlarges. It, it yeah. stretches itself out. Yep. Us big boys, we need, a, some, uh, ooh, so we need some of that extra centimeters, you know? Yeah, so weird. Yeah. Um, so I got one more. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be um, this is gonna be Snoop. He is early forties, and his bio says dating apps are the absolute reason relationships are becoming short-lived or non-existent at all. Everyone has become uh... so easily accessible yet completely disposable. Six five and fit. Dot dot dot. Probably more fun than you can comprehend, and free in many ways most will never be. Oh, my gourd. <laughs> I like he, how he starts off with um, society sucks, everyone is shallow, 6'5", fit, <laughs> more fun than you. <laughs> um, dating X suck, and I judge you very much for being on it, but not me, because I'm just doing it for fun, and you don't understand that, because I'm 6'5", and fit. Kaylee, I think you're- I'm so much more fun than you. You are underestimating the power that comes with uh, owning a Planet Fitness gym membership. And also uh, listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. The real gains go to the brain. The real gains mm. are brain gains. Yeah. Uh, I, I really want to close off with uh, another one that I, that I had. This is personally from my library Ooh. of Tinderellas. Let's say that this young lady's name is Regina. Oh, okay. Regina. I, I know exactly who you're talking about now. I can picture in my head. This uh, Regina. Looking for a guy that's going to grab my ass and suck on my titties. Ooh, same. Immediate swipe right. Like, I can't wait to introduce you to my mom. She's one of those lady in the streets and freak in the sheets. A freak in the streets and a lady eating beets. That's what I am. <laughs> That's all you could ever want. That's all you can hope to be. Tinder's great. Are you having any luck finding love? No. Yeah, Jeremy. <laughs> Fucking awful. Still hasn't Tinder worked sucks. Out. Yeah. <laughs> so right. that's a terrible segue into Spook Squad. <laughs> uh, okay. Spook Squad. Spook Squad. Uh, ooh, 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 a spook squad. So, this episode's Spook Squad is the Black Monk of Pontefract. Pontefract. Parthenax. The Black Monk of Pontefract. Uh, this is the story of a family whose otherworldly nightmare grew to become England's most violent haunting. Ooh, I like that. All right, keep slapping those lips together. Tell me more. So this is... Uh, I struggled to say true account because it is paranormal. And I know you're a skeptic and I'm a skeptic too, even though I'm a huge fan of supernatural and paranormal stories. It's just more fun to believe. I I will say that this is a true account of what many consider to be a poltergeist and especially a demonic poltergeist. So can you explain to the people what a poltergeist is? So picture a ghost but it's like a prankster. It likes to interact with the environment, like throw lamp shades over, right. kick like, a dog, mess maybe. Mess with TVs and mess lights with TVs and stuff. And... 
Well, isn't move a, chairs around. What uh, differentiates it from other ghosts is that poltergeists are tied to a specific place. Actually, the the main thing is that it terrorizes. Okay. Its whole goal is to fuck with you. Right. Essentially, spook people to, out of their place. It's pretty much yeah. Typically, you'll see poltergeist activity in like old buildings that are getting remodeled because you're disturbing this ghost's maybe former home, and so. All of a sudden, the ghost gets all angry and he's poltergeist and all over the place, and everyone's covered in poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I'm gonna polter, I'm gonna polter," and he geists all over <laughs> your face. It's disgusting. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'm trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is a precursor, considered a precursor to the Enfield poltergeist. Which, if you remember, we saw this together in theaters, The Conjuring Two. Yeah, remember that? Like the British that was like... family that was. I I remember because like I bought the tickets and you you showed up late and so to reconcile that you bought me like a Slurpee and like all this candy and stuff you're like here eat yeah here you go I got this for you I felt terrible (laughs) yep yeah thank you for that it was great you're welcome the only thing I remember about that movie is them playing that Elvis Presley song oh my god same (laughs) I was literally that is bizarre because as soon as you said that I pictured that guy in the guitar doing Elvis Presley (laughs) it's kind of cringy but I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. God. That was such an iconic scene. <laughs> so iconic. <laughs> oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, The um, the Conjuring 2. Good movie. Check it out. Uh, but this isn't about that. This is a different story that also took place in England in a similar... If you remember in the movie, they kind of lived in these, like, government houses where it's, yeah. like, mass-produced. These people yeah. lived yeah, in yeah. the same kind of England in this, around the same time, actually, like, a little bit earlier in the 60s. Okay. So where does this take place? What is the house that is haunted by this poltergeist? Well, across the pond in England, this mm-hmm. is quite a famous location, 30 East Drive, West Yorkshire. That is the Yorkshire. York, I thought the cool people say Yorkshire. Like Yorkshire puddings. They say Shire like the Hobbit? Yeah. I, I watched the Great British Baking Show and they made Yorkshire puddings and that's what they called it. Yorkshire. No, it's Yorkshire. Guys, smash that like button if you think it's Yorkshire. <laughs> okay, so it takes place in a subdivision of government housing called Checkerfield Estates. In 1966, Joe and Jean Pritchard moved into 30 East Drive, bringing along their children, Philip, who is 15, and Diane, who is 12. Here's the kind of paranormal activity they, they dealt with. Lights turning on and off. Furniture moving or flipping over on its own. Okay, that's scary. Destruction of family photos. Oh, scary. Objects levitating and or disappearing. Okay. Unexplained stenches. Huh. Sorry, guys. I tooted. (laughs) Uh, Disembodied voices, uh, such as heavy breathing, was a very common Mm. one they would hear. And what disturbed the family the most, sightings of a black hooded figure, which would be the black monk. Despite the unexplained phenomena that the family like dealt with, uh, they were met with a lot of mockery from the mm. locals because um, some newspapers ran the story and it kind of became a little bit of a media circus. And people were like, you're lying. There's no ghosts here. But it was witnessed not only by the entire Pritchard family, including some extended relatives, but also um, it was this kind of activity was witnessed by police, priests. And even a local member of parliament. So they saw like the actual activity, right? They saw things flying over the place. They heard sounds. They smelled. So, okay. Smelled so it was stuff. like a neighborhood, like, fuck that house. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. One of the biggest source material for this story is from uh, this author, Colin Wilson. He had a book called Poltergeist, a classic study in destructive hauntings. And um, Oh, I think I've heard about that book. 
in the book, he goes into detail about this specific story. And so if you want to learn more about it. Yeah, maybe I'll read it. So this family moves into this house. And where our story starts is um, on vacation. Okay. So the family, Joe and Jean, the mom and dad, went on a vacation. Um, and the son, Philip, uh, he didn't want to go. Right. And so the parents and Diane went on the vacation. I'm not sure where to. Philip stayed home under the watch of his grandma. He's like, I want to be with my friends or go hang out in my room. I want to just hang out with grandma. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. And so... Uh, There's a black monk in my house and I just want to chill. It's cool. I just want to like, hang out with him. I want to see what his hopes and dreams are. Yeah. I want to rearrange his guts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so one day... Uh, grandma's in one of the rooms doing grandma stuff like knitting or whatever mm-hmm. or being racist and <laughs> philip goes philip goes out to the garden to read a book which seems very un 15 year old to me but this is 1966 there's this cold breeze that goes through the the backyard and the windows he hears the windows start to rattle and his grandma uh calls out to him and is like is it storming out there he's like no no it's fine just a weird weird breeze that's strange she's like dumbass kid that's strange. Yeah. She's like, what are you doing shaking the windows? Yeah. You little weirdo. Oh, yeah. You got like some hooligan friends. And so eventually Philip saunters back inside and he walks into the room that his grandmother's in and it's raining. Men. Like, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> is what he said. Uh, <laughs> he's That's like, how hallelujah. grandma died. <laughs> yeah. Yep. She uh, was so overjoyed. She was thrilled to her body's limit. Oh, God. No, so he sees it's raining like dust. It's raining like this white chalk dust. Oh, gross. And the the grandma was so into her knitting that she didn't even notice. And she looks up and she's covered in this dust. And she first thing she does is she stands up and she goes, Philip, what did you do? Like, what is this about? What's really like bizarre is when she stands up, it's only happening from like below her shoulder level when she's standing up. It's not coming from the ceiling. The source of the chalk seems to be in the middle of the air. Oh, okay. Like picture her, st- like if you were standing in a pool at shoulder length. Okay, yeah. Huh. It's really weird. That's so weird. Very bizarre. I don't understand what the monk was trying to do there, but. I just so. confuse them. That's probably what I would do if I was a ghost. Just do really confusing things. So they start kind of freaking out. So they call on to Aunt Marie, who lives down the street. And um, her name is Marie Kelly. Marie Callender. <laughs> gray casserole they run over to aunt marie's house and marie was stated in saying in that book she says that her grandma was her grandma her mother was so covered in that dust she looked like a snowman so the dust was oh, real God. so marie goes back to the house with them helps them sweep up and when before she sweeps up she sees on the floor this perfectly circular puddle of water gross and she's like huh. grandma from the rainy men <laughs> She's just so darn excited. <laughs> she couldn't help it. Yeah. So she, so she wipes it up. And when she wipes it up, she looks, and there's another one that just formed on the floor, too. She wipes that up. Another one forms. So this is Perfectly snow. circular. Well, in there, that wasn't snow. It was like some weird ash. And so huh. in the kitchen now, on the linoleum floors, she, there's these water, these perfect, perfectly circular, no sign of splatter, water puddles. She soaks them up. And every time she gets rid of one, another one appears. So they end up calling the water company. The guy comes back, peels back the linoleum. He's like, there's no leak or anything. I don't know what it is. See ya. So everything is cleaned up. And the water guy was like, eh, I don't know what it is. So they go home. And it's just Grandma and Philip again. That night, the tea dispenser. I don't know what that is. Like just a dispenser of tea. It's a British thing. Okay. Uh, it starts to rapidly dispense tea. And they can't stop it. And Grandma's like, what's going on? And Philip's like, I don't know. So once it stops, they hear a crash and the light goes on in the hall behind them. 
Mm. Like, what's that? And they turn. They turn around and they see the potted plant that was previously right next to the bottom of the stairs Mm -hmm. is gone. And the pot is at the the pot is at the top of the stairs, and the plant with the soil and the actual plant itself is strewn across the steps. Oh. That had to have happened in that split second they heard that bang. Right. Grandma only turns away for a second. She has her eyes all over the place. She's got eyes in the back of her head. Yeah. Hello, grandmas are. You ever seen a grandma? They don't let shit happen in their house. Hell yeah, I've seen a grandma. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I was trying to say. You ever seen a grandma? This bitch is talking like I've never seen a grandma. Of course (laughs) I've seen one. Excuse me. (laughs) Have you ever seen a grandma? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... So they they look at the stair- steps like gee whiz the pl- you know how spooky a plant wow uh, and then there's another crash they turn around in the kitchen that they were just in the cupboard is like vibrating violently like an earthquake is happening and they can hear the china and the cups rattling and so Philip walks up and he opens the door and it stops no more shaking so they're like wow that's really really weird and then they hear another crash from inside the house and so give me goosebumps. Yeah. For some reason, the grandma realizes that that the the distinct crash she just heard, that last one that came from deeper inside the house, she had heard that same noise the previous day when she was with Philip, and she didn't think anything of it. Then the temperature drops suddenly, and it's cold, and they see their breath, and they're both like, you know what? This is actually terrifying. Let's get the fuck out of here. So they get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. That's when they go to the Kelly's house, which is Aunt Marie's house her married name is kelly uh grandma and philip they spend the night at aunt marie's house um aunt marie is sympathetic because she knows that it's really something's off she believes them because she's like well yeah that that weird water stuff and the weird dust it's super yeah come over here we don't understand what's going on over there so they 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 sleep upstairs and aunt marie's husband comes home his name is vic marie tells vic about what's going on he was like well it's probably a burglar in there like they probably there's probably somebody Mm. in there let's call the cops and we'll go in there so Vic calls the cops, the local boys. And so the cops go to 30 East Drive. They do a quick sweep of the house. They find nothing. But that night, Vic can't sleep. He's too busy thinking about it. He's like, that's so strange. Like the stories my wife told me, this house, something's wrong. And I, and I can't stop thinking about it. So he, him, he wakes up his wife and they start talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, hey, don't you have that friend that lives down the street conveniently and is like really into ghosts? And she was like, yeah. He goes, let's go talk to him. And she goes like, yeah, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. So they go and they go wake up this schmuck. His name's O'Donnell. I only know his last name. This is still the 60s? This is still 1966. Yep. Okay. And so all they have to do is they go like, hey, O'Donnell, uh, there's some creepy stuff going down at that house. We think it's a ghost. And O'Donnell's like, I'm going to grab. out the door. <laughs> He's already he got his, his jacket EVPs. on. He's just like, um, let's go. I'm, I'm, I've waited for this. <laughs> Salivating. Yeah. They go. They go to that house. And nothing really happens. It's cold. They, when they go in there, it's very cold, but mm-hmm. nothing's happening. And O'Donnell's asking them questions about what was experienced. And he goes, well, based on what you're saying, telling me, it sounds like this is a poltergeist. He's a smart guy. They start to leave the house because they're like, well, this is um, nothing. He goes, yeah. So he's explaining as they're leaving, as they're locking up. Yeah, there's nothing really weird about poltergeist. They just sort of do silly stuff like cut up pictures. Mm-hmm. And right when he says that, there's a, a sound from inside the house. And so immediately Vic unlocks the door and they go inside. And on the ground are three framed photographs. Uh, two are oil paintings and one is Joe and Jean's wedding photo. Uh... And it's slashed from end to end. Right when he said they do silly things like cut up photos, like he heard that and was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking do that just to freak him out. Yeah. I mean, I would. So they get the fuck out of there again because they're like, oh, spooky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like Scoob. And uh, so then the other Pritchards, 
return from vacation and they enter a world of pain where it's like, hey, by the way, a lot of crazy stuff is going on in your house. And they're first they're denying it like the like Joe and Jean and little Diane. They're like, what are you talking about? What? And um, Phil and grandma keep on talking about these noises, these knockings that they heard. Like, oh, there's the weird thuds and knockings and whatever. And Joe goes, the dad, he says, what do you what do you talk? What what knocking? And right when he says that. It they, knocks. They hear a large knock. Oh. It's super loud and it's a crash. And then there's there's a second knock and then the windows start to shake violently. And the cold breeze goes through the house and everybody starts to panic. Right. As you should. And then nothing happens for two years. Oh. <laughs> it's building up its power. Yeah. So that was just the prologue. Shit. So now we move to two years later. In 1968. Jean, the mom, says, you know what? I think it's time to like remodel Diane's room because Diane's now 14. She's kind of outgrown the look of her little kid room. It's time to remodel. Right. No more narwhals on the wallpaper. That's right. And so as soon as Jean starts to talk about it, as soon as she starts to prepare for this, the house starts getting angry almost. For example, bedspread gets thrown down the stairs. It's the bedspread from Diane's room. And she goes, what the hell is this? So she brings it back to her room. Uh, excuse me, bitch. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then the bedspread gets thrown down the stairs again. And she brings it back up. And then the bedspread from Philip's room gets thrown on the stairs. And she brings that back up. And she's like, what the hell is going on? And on top of that, a bunch of, I don't know why they have so many potted plants, but more potted plants upstairs are overturned. She's like, God damn, I got to clean up this all this mess. So later, she did not heed any of that. And she decides to uh, remodel what women do they see all the red flags and they're like i'm gonna do this anyway because mm-hmm. i want to the day that she starts to actually remodel we're talking like paintbrushes and ladders and all this stuff she gets this serious chill and she has this feeling that something bad's gonna happen so uh, a paintbrush flies past her head and also some wallpaper paste which is a thing just gets thrown like a glob against the wall and she's like oh what the hell is going on and you, you know what a carpet sweeper is it's like those old-fashioned vacuums where it was like you just roll it and it's like kind of this heavy metal thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So one of those levitates in the air and starts to swing at her like a bat. Ooh. So she screams. And when she screams, she wakes up the rest of the family. So Diane, Philip, Joe, they all rush in and they see it too. And at that moment, the entire family is attacked with paintbrushes. What? <laughs> It's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, we got to go help our friend. They're getting their ass kicked. And then they all get their ass kicked. Yeah. So they're just but caught in this, this hurricane of paintbrushes and, and painter's tape and, and probably potted plants. What do you I'm gonna, I'm it's just guess. like, fuck you. I'm going to beat your ass Yeah, he's like, I hate all of you guys. This was my room. Here. <laughs> Why are you remodeling this? They're all screaming, having a terrible time. And it finally ends. And uh, they're like, this is terrible. And it was terrible for another nine months. They had this like perpetual poltergeist There's always a paintbrush gleaming around the corner. There's just always something to just get <laughs> thrown at their heads. When this broke, and by that I mean like the local newspaper started to show it around, uh, they came up with the name for it. They called it Mr. Nobody. To sort of own it, uh, Jean decides to make it a little bit more personal for her family. So she starts to call him Fred. She's like, you know what? I'm not going to call him Mr. Nobody. Everybody, this is Fred. It's okay. Don't be afraid. Uh, that was dumb on her part because Fred is terrifying. And also, he probably doesn't like being called Fred. Probably not. Mr. Nobody sounds so cool. People named Fred don't like being called Fred. Oh. Uh, so, shit gets heavy. So, they eventually get a priest to come do an exorcism. They're like, this is the next step. We got to get this place exercised. And um, the priest is like, you know, honestly, typically we don't do exorcisms for poltergeists. Also, the the church is very careful about what when they do exorcisms. Mm. 
And so he's like, yeah, deuces. I'll see you later. I'm not touching this shit. Although it is creepy as fuck in here. And he leaves. So that night, as Diane is going up to bed, a large oak stand, like a table essentially, gets flung into the air and lands on top of her. And this is solid oaks. This is probably over 100 pounds. Yeah. And she's pinned to the ground. She starts screaming. And everybody else starts screaming. They're trying to pry this table off of her, and they can't. It's just Philip and Jean at this point. They cannot. Like, it's too heavy, or there's too much, it's, like, it, force Either or. Down. They don't know. It's just, like, pinned on her, and they can't lift it up. And so, uh, for some reason, Jean gets the idea to tell her to call, to relax, to take a deep breath and relax. And she does. And when she does, they're able to get it off of her. Mm, that's some, like, actual movie. This The whole thing Shut starts up. to play like a movie. So what's weird about this is that that whole thing left her totally uninjured, hmm. which kind of goes back to those weird rules of poltergeist where they don't actually really hurt you. They just sort of. Right. But also it's kind of frustrating, I imagine, because you don't have any way to prove it. Definitely. Um, that night, Diane goes to bed. Whatever. I just got to guys got to go to sleep. This is bullshit. She gets woken up four times by her mattress flipping over onto the floor. Like while she's in it? You know, while she's in it. She wakes up being flipped under the oh floor in her mattress. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so uh, around this time, a local psychic befriends the family. I, what's significant about her is there's this whole story with her where um, I don't know if she was trying to do seances or what, but she just was trying to get a feel for the house. Hmm. Okay. And um, there was an incident where she had caused, I don't know if she instigated it, but all the lights in the house went out and there were a bunch of loud sounds and there had been uh, a sandwich on a plate. And when the lights came back on, the it plate the plate was gone. Somebody ate the sandwich. They found a piece of the sandwich behind the TV and had big teeth marks a big bite taken out of it and they're like what the the fuck? ghost was hungry the and whole time exactly and then he's fine and then that's the end of the story wow <laughs> so, so the psychic's like oh you know what this is perfect i'm gonna take this as evidence and then uh the sandwich strangely disintegrated within days ah so that's weird. good good excuse there psychic so around the time that this group got really serious the kids both of them both philip and rachel ray what's her name uh, Jennifer Aniston? Diane. Uh, so the kids had stomach problems. <laughs> and the psychic points out, hey, you know what? Ever heard of your solar plexus? Yeah, the thing in the pit of your stomach? That's a that's a big old chakra, boy. Oh. That's a big old chakra. And it's one of the chakras that is heavily tied to life force energy. I know Kaylee is a huge fan of chakras and <laughs> life force energy. It's right there. It's a really serious science. My I'm, mom I'm actually told. tried to get me to do crystal healing <laughs> for, okay. for my seasonal depression. And if you had given her a chance, it would have worked. <laughs> she also noted that, um, and this is a real thing, I guess, that there is like an underground river that runs through that area under their house. Yeah, that's essentially. where they exchange the ghosts. They like, well, I guess they like tag out every what, now and again. What? <laughs> All right, bro. I just <laughs> threw a fucking table on her. <laughs> I just took a bite out of a sandwich, freaked them yeah, the fuck out. They uh, took it as evidence, bro. You got to play hard, dude. <laughs> Uh, the psychic was like, well, a lot of times spirits are connected to water for some reason. Hence the water on the floor, the water under the house, and the water on my brain. So this is my favorite part. This is when Aunt Maud comes to visit. Now, Aunt Maud is my favorite character in this because she is a total bitch and I love it. So Aunt Maud gets word. This is the, I believe the husband's, this is Joe's sister. Aunt Maud gets word of the poltergeist and visits the Pritchards determined to debunk it. She's like, y'all are being crazy. Right. Let me let me teach you a thing or two, anti mod style, and that's when, wicked wicked work. She starts to rap. <laughs> there ain't no such thing as ghosts. Uh, uh, ghosts are just bitchin' fake loasts. 
which as we know is German for poltergeist. <laughs> Picture this scene and tell me this isn't like out of like the movie Casper from 1996. Never seen it. You never saw the movie Casper? No. The Friendly Ghost? No, never seen it. Well, everybody, other human being has seen it, so. <laughs> okay. So they're all in the kitchen sitting around the table talking, and Aunt Maud's like, and another thing, you guys are a bunch of idiots. There's no such thing as ghosts. God is our savior. She was an evangelical Christian, uh. so she was very against the idea of like believing ghosts. Uh. So what happens is the lights go out, and she's like, what's this about? In the low light of the nearby fireplace... They can see the refrigerator door open on its own mm-hmm. and a, ju- a carton of milk slowly levitates from the fridge. They're all watching it as it goes over Aunt Maud's head, pour on tips over and pours on that bitch. Oh, yes. That's some mad disrespect. Damn. Um, which then leads into Ghost a whole other. Stay. Yeah. Leads into a whole other rap segment where she starts to rap about how milk is important for strong bones. But I won't get into that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will. Uh, milk, you see, is good, you see. So your bones can be strong. Uh, so immediately Maud's like, what the hell is this? And the lights come back on. She goes, oh, how convenient. The lights came on right after this got poured all over me. I bet it was one of your stupid kids. Uh, also, uh, my, one of my, glo- my gloves are missing. My beautiful fur gloves are missing. Where did they go? And they're like, shut up, Maud. No one likes you. You're covered in milk. Gross. Your name's Maud. Jean's like, hold on. My kids were sitting right next to me the whole time. They did not do any of this. Okay. Our power goes off all the time. And it's this gosh darn ghost. It's Fred. Freaking Fred. It's freaking Fred, dude. Freaking Fred. Come on. So that night, uh, there's a whole other host of weird happenings and loud sounds and objects moving. And Maud sees this and she starts to come around to the idea that something's off in the house. So that night, she, for whatever reason, uh, she shares Philip's room. It's her, Philip, and Diane all sort of having a slumber party in Philip's room. And the door is left ajar. Just as they were preparing to lay down for the night, they spotted two large hands floating in the open doorway. What they look like? Do they wear their nails painted at least? No, they were wearing Maud's gloves. <gasps> oh! And like they described them, the hands as being like too big for the gloves. Like mm. they're big masculine hands. So Maud yelled for it to get out and she threw her boot at it. <laughs> it's, you go, Maud. And uh, then the hands vanished into the hallway but then reappeared soon after. This time, one of the hands made a beckoning gesture as if it wanted them to follow it. When no one moved, the other hand closed into a fist and shook angrily at them. Oh, wow. And so, and I love this so much. sentient being. So as an evangelical Christian, Maud broke out into singing a song called Onward Christian Soldiers, which I assume is some old hymn that you sing. So she's singing, and as she's singing... In response, the hands begin begin to move to the music as if conducting her singing. So oh. they're going, going back and forth, back and forth, conducting her voice. And uh, Maud left the next day, swearing up and down that the family had a devil in their house. Sometime later, Maud's gloves turned up around the house. And so Jean like drove him over to her house and was like, hey, Maud, I found your gloves. And she was like, I don't want those gloves. So what Maud does, she gets t- a pair of like metal tongs, <laughs> carries the gloves out to the backyard and sets them on fire. Nice. Yeah. There is what is what I call the egg incident. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah. So one day the family's sitting inside the parlor room. Right. Like the den. Yeah. Yep. And they see an egg come floating in from the kitchen and it it floats right out in front of them and it breaks on the ground. And when it breaks, they smell like a very strong like flower fragrance. Huh. 
And so to counteract that, Jean goes into the kitchen because, you know, those are her eggs she paid for. She takes the eggs in the carton, uh, puts like a pillow around it and like sits over it. So like no one can get it. But despite that, another egg comes from out of nowhere, drops on the ground. She's like, what? The hell are they is like this? leaving the carton? Well, here's the thing. They're it just keeps mysterious on, eggs. It, it keeps on dropping. And then when she gets up, she notices those eggs are missing from the carton that she had just checked. So somehow it was making matter reappear. And God, I really hope I'm a poltergeist. It'd be so much fun. Oh, God, yeah. So uh, they spoke to another priest about an exorcism, and the priest was pretty firm and refused to to do it, claiming that it would only piss off the poltergeist. He's like, this thing is scary. I'm a different priest this time, and I'm still scared of it. (laughs) See you guys later. And so Vic, do you remember Vic from earlier? The uncle? He's like still pretty obsessed with this thing. It's really shook him. And he's like, you know what? Don't worry, guys. Uncle Vic's going to take care of it. I'm going to do my own exorcism. And, uh, well, Uncle Vic uh, really fucked this one up. (laughs) That's what you get for doing your own exorcism. So uh, this really only pissed off Fred. Good. He's like, I'm just trying to have fun. And you're trying to banish me. Ghosts just want to have fun. At one point, for briefly, a brief moment, there was water pouring out of the walls, ceiling, and floor. And there's loud noises and shit and yeah, yeah. shit going off. And they're like, oh, fuck. And Vic's like, ah, I'm so glad I don't live here. I'm going go <laughs> to go down the street and be in my safe, unhaunted house. So um, that night, the family was kept awake by banging sounds. Days later, a crucifix flies off the wall and sticks to Diane's back. <gasps> and she can't get it off. She's pr- she doesn't even know what it is at first. She goes into the bathroom and she goes, oh, my God, get it off, get it off. And she's screaming for help. And then another cruci- crucifix falls off the wall. And then her uh, Jean comes in, tries to help prying the cross off her daughter's back, and she can't get it off. Mm. It's like a ma- the author describes it as a magnet to her back. Damn. And then a portrait falls off the wall and breaks. And they mm-hmm. pick it up, and it's the portrait of Christ. Ah, uh, okay. And as soon as that breaks, the cross falls off. So that Easter Sunday, which I think is significant that it, it happened on this day, uh, Jean uh, awoke to find inverted crosses painted gold on the back of every door in the house. So she goes, well, hold on. She starts to get suspicious because she's like, right. well, my son just bought gold spray paint for his bike. Yeah. And I'm going to like flip it upside down. So then it's like an actual cross. So all she needs to do is just turn the doors upside down. Yeah. Duh, yeah. Jean. Idiot. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, oh, okay. Maybe my son's been doing some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so she gets his spray paint and she tries to do this. The, the author describes the crosses as like perfect, like stenciled almost like perfect straight crosses in this gold paint. So she tries to do it. And there's a lacquer on the wood that prevents it from from sticking without running. So oh. she's like, well, this my son definitely didn't do this. And we don't have any stencils like that. So something else caused these cro- inverted crosses on the door. And so around this time, Fred got so pissed off that he started to show himself. Uh... So they started to see him in the corner of their eyes. And even the neighbor, because they lived in these government houses, and they're essentially duplex. So they would sh- share a wall with a neighbor. Uh, the, the neighbor saw it. The psychic also saw it one night. Uh, she would she the lights went out and she looked behind her on the ground. And she saw a big pair of feet, black feet neck on the ground. <clears throat> she freaks out. The lights come on and he's gone. And the neighbor one one morning, the neighbor was by her kitchen sink washing dishes. And she just felt like the air tighten. And she knew someone was standing behind her. So what she do you turns do? like, do you look? She just, she just turned around. Well, she said that she wasn't afraid. <clears throat> she was just like really, really concerned by what she saw, which was this very tall man in a black 
friar robe. Philip also saw him through frosted glass in the front door of the house. Days later, the family was alerted by Diane's terrible screaming. That's when they found Diane being dragged up the stairs. Uh. And they actually saw her sweater being pulled up by something. <gasps> And they start pulling on her and there's like significant like resistance resistance, and they yeah. can't. And then finally they pull on her and they all sort of tumble down the stairs. God, that's horrifying. And they look and on Diane's neck are these red fingerprints around her throat, which later actually turn into bruises. And I think there might be photos of those somewhere. Right. I hope she bailed after that. Well, so what happens? So this is kind of weird. So a family friend says, you know what you got to do? Hang up garlic around the house. Oh, God. And so they do that, and it went away. What? They hung up garlic, and it stopped. They never saw Fred again. And eventually they moved out and all that stuff. Hmm. And people around there still claim that Fred is still around, but he just sort of goes from house to house occasionally. So people will still see the shadow figure. Huh. And just so you know, just some historical background, like who is this black monk? Well, there's a reason why they saw a black monk. Because mm-hmm. remember, England is like, so old that's super old yeah like how old is america i mean yeah, native americans but like six 1500s 1600s mm-hmm. not that far they go back to like you know before christ There's right stuff going on in, in england so centuries prior to this just before the english civil war during the reign of henry the eighth a monk from a local friary was sentenced to be hanged for the rape and murder of a young girl uh. these gallows had stood in what would later be the pritchard's front yard there you go. There you go. That's disturbing. So, yeah. And let me show you the, the photos. Yeah. This is what they considered. And I'll post these photos on our Instagram just so you guys can see them and all their creepiness. Also follow us on Instagram. Also follow us on Instagram. Um, so if you look here, uh, they see like an arm that they think uh, is an arm holding yeah. a black sleeve holding rosaries. It's horrifying. <laughs> so there's some creepy photos there. And that'll be available on our Instagram, which is... According to an idiot. According to an idiot uh, at on Instagram. So Yeah. You can also follow us on Twitter if you'd like at Idiots Accord. And if you want to send us questions or comments or Tinderellas or any of that good stuff, email us at according to an idiot at gmail.com. And also and leave us a review on iTunes if yeah, you like this. Yeah, give, uh, re- give us a review. Yeah. Let us know how shocked you are that narwhals actually exist. And that's just a giant tooth out of their head. What's your favorite SpongeBob memory? Do you think gene editing is ethical? Also, vitamin C. Maybe take it, maybe not. Also, uh, hang up garlic around your house because apparently that'll pretty much solve any issue you have. Even if you don't have a poltergeist, you still might. So better be safe than sorry. And if you don't, then vampires won't come. Even if you don't have a poltergeist or vampires, maybe it'll, it'll prevent your parents from getting a divorce. There you go. That's the best we can hope for, you know? I think that's a good note to leave off on. I agree. Well, Uh, guys. uh, I love you so much. Bye. Hasta la vista. Hasta la vista.